0: Well, here it comes. Oh my goodness! Kick and chase by Mullins. Kick and chase again by Mullins. Aguero!
1: I see it, but I don't believe it. He's has got it. Out! He's
2: got it. In! <laughs> this is a famous victory magnificent <laughs> performance. What a legend! What a
3: champion! You're on the racing in sport. Punters Pod, where we craft crumbs of calcitrations to weave you a winning walkway of wagering wizardry. Jimmy Buckley with you on this Thursday, October the 20th, just two days out from the serious stuff in the T20 Cricket World Cup. And folks, we have a special treat for you today to preview the tournament. We have three ex international cricketers joining us on the Racing and Sports Punters Pod in order of southernmost birthplaces. They are former New Zealand Test Captain Ken Rutherford, Ken's old teammate and devilish swing bowling superstar Simon Doole and later in the show, the 128 Test veteran who would have dominated T20 cricket had he been born in another era, the great Mark War. Firstly, Ken, welcome back to the studio, mate. It's certainly... An exciting time of year.
2: Yeah, it is, James. Look, Good to be here and good to have Dooley on with us too, mate. Uh, the, the alliterative, uh, is that a word? The intros, the, the alliter- alliterations. They must run out soon. I mean, I, I've, I've got a list of them. They're very impressive, quite <laughs> frankly. But, ah,
3: uh, uh, good on you. Well, I think there's about 200,000 words in the English language, so we'll, well, we'll keep chipping away. Joining us uh, on his way to the golf course, I believe, and all the way from Sydney, Simon Doole. Mate, welcome to the Racing and Sports Punter's Pod.
0: Thanks, James. Good morning to, to uh, Rudd's as well. Nice to be on
3: with you. And just take care on that golf course first and foremost, mate. Uh, <laughs> claimed another victim yesterday in English, and I think Johnny Bairstow, six weeks ago as well, managed to break his yeah, leg.
0: crazy. Right. Crazy so. stuff. Like the English ones are, are really strange. i with the shaft breaking through the grip, I think, or something like that, and the, and the shards of the fiberglass going through the hand. I, oh, I can't quite understand how that happened.
3: I've never heard that one before, up. Uh, just quickly, no, mate. mate. What was uh, what was Rudd's like as a captain?
0: Very good, very good. Thirsty. No, no, no issues at all with uh, with, with captaincy or his off-field behaviour.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that's where the conversation will end. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Before we get into the cricket stuff, gentlemen, uh, Dooley, tell us now you're obviously very, very heavily involved now in commentary, and it looks like you cover a fair few miles uh, across the world over the course of a calendar year, mate. But what's what's your next, say, twelve months looking like?
0: Um, yeah, I'm down here for what four, four and a half weeks for the T20 World Cup, then I ship across to New Zealand. I haven't worked in New Zealand for a few years um, since Sky lost the, the rights over there, so. Down there to do um, the New Zealand India Series for Amazon Prime, who have bought that. And then I've decided to take December off. Um, I haven't had a break at all this year. So December's a a free month for me. So I'll be back in Dubai playing some golf and and relaxing. And from the 28th of December, I can kind of run through my year for you. I'll be in Pakistan for some test matches, back in the UAE for the new T20 Series, uh, the, the T20 competition there straight back to Pakistan for the PSL, from Pakistan to India for the IPL, uh, up to the UK in June for three months' work here, for Sky in the UK, down to the Caribbean uh, in September, and then back to India in October, November for the 50-over World Cup. So I'm kind of booked next year right through until the end of October, November again, once I start on the 28th of uh, December. And uh, in the mean, sort of in between those, there's probably no more than about three or four, five days of rest at any one
3: stage. Alrighty, well if you need an assistant at any point mate, just give us a shout.
2: (laughs) I'll let you know. That's one worn out suitcase, isn't it? Yeah, I reckon. (laughs) I I reckon around the the cricket
3: itinerary though,
2: Simon, there's a fair amount of golf played, isn't
0: there? (laughs) Yeah, I I try and get out as much as I can and um, obviously with the tournament being in Dubai, it'll be great, so I've got almost two months, um, you know, back home, so to speak, now, which is great to have. And um, I'll be playing plenty of golf along the way. And also England. England presents plenty of opportunities to get some golf in, which is nice. I, th-
2: I think, I think we are got to look at the T20 World Cup, which is upon us. I mean, it started now with a lot of the uh, the preamble, I guess, to the to the tournament proper starting at the SCG on Saturday night. Dolly, you've watched a lot of T20 cricket since its inception, really, uh, from the commentary box. I mean... The game has changed. It seems to be better. I mean, what, what's your comment on the state of T20 cricket overall?
0: Well, I think it's exciting. And what's been great in the, the sort of first week of this um, World Cup and the, the first round is, is to see the Namibias and the Scotlands. Mm. Just the improvement, and I, and I think that's all you can ask. To me, what T20 does for world cricket is, is this is the growth of the game. It's the growth of the global game, I think. You no, know, I don't know about you, Rudds. I believe that the 50 over World Cup should still be the elite. It's a bit like the Football World Cup for me, and it should be the top eight teams only. But the T20 World Cup should be the growth of the game, and I'd love to see 16 teams automatically in, in the T20 World Cup. Not have to qualify. Make sure we get as many teams involved as we possibly can, because you see the progression of Namibia from just from UAE last year, having two tournaments within the space of 12 months, and come out and they beat Sri Lanka first up. Zimbabwe yeah. back in amongst the, the, the sort of the world elite. Um, oh. You've got UAE who haven't quite competed this time around, but they'll just they'll only get better by playing these tournaments. So I think it's in, in a very healthy position. And, and I just feel that this is the growth of the game globally, but we can stick with that 50 over World Cup being quite elite and have. Um, the T20 World Cup open to a lot more
2: yeah good call I, I, I'd be really impressed with the stand of the cricket James to be honest and it's great to see teams like UAE with 16 year old spin bowlers who are competing really terrifically at at this level the gap obviously between the, the better teams and the so-called Minos are not Minos anymore they're, they're pretty good sides and no and and doing the Zimbabwe watching them the last couple of matches their bowling attack looks full of promise.
0: Yeah, it does. And then that, that's one area that I think, you know, these sides have improved a lot. They've, they've all got a bit of power. Um, mm. You know, you, you saw what um, Curtis Camper did for Ireland last night, yep. uh, along with Dockerall. You, you, you see that, that these sides are coaching power. And I think that's vastly different from when we sort of grew up. Ken, you you talked about the the old sort of MCC, you know, cricket book where you played the forward defence and you sort of you, you had a good defence. These guys are all about power now. It's all about line drives and power heading down the ground. and and even the girls that you're coaching nowadays, I think if you've got young girls involved in cricket, just teach them how to line drive, basically, which is hitting straight down the ground. And, and so all these teams have power. And, you know, what you'll find with some of the, uh, the UAE, Afghanistan, obviously produce brilliant spitters. They will come to their own in conditions like India uh, in the next couple of years. And, and you know, if you play another another tournament in Sri Lanka or in in Bangladesh. Those sides will really come into their own with some of the spinners. They just need to develop the quick bowling and uh, and I think they'll be away. But it's it's nice to see, you know, those teams compete. And, you know, West Indies is probably the one sad story at the moment that they're just nowhere near what what they once were.
3: Yeah, that is a bit of a shame to see, that, that fall from grace. But but I think, like you say, Dooley, there's not too many easy games anymore for the top teams. And if we look at the top end of the market, now this is with Neds, but Australia, the host nation, $3.75 to win the tournament, followed closely by England at $4, India, $4.50, South Africa, $8, Pakistan, $10, New Zealand, $12, and the rest follows from there. What do you make of that market? Do you think it, it's settled about... Right Or uh, is it Is it perhaps A fairly open tournament This one
0: Yeah i I probably If I was If I was it, I'd it I'd personally A little bit differently I would have England As, as my favourite so, so I'd probably Just ahead of Australia I would have South Africa Third uh, I, I don't think India Without just Rick I don't think They can make it um, I think Pakistan Have fallen away A little bit So you know I'd have them Further down The, the rankings uh, But my top four Uh, would probably be England at the top, Australia closely behind, and then South Africa, and any one of, you know, another three or four teams could fill that, that, that fourth spot. I don't see Pakistan getting the job done, although they do have a a pretty good bowling attack. I just don't know that their middle order is going to, going to do the job for them strong enough. I don't see New Zealand being strong enough. Um, so you just got to fight out that sort of, that fourth spot and, and see who, who might come through.
2: Really interesting comments on India. You've been to the IPO a number of times, and look, they seem to have a batting side or a batting unit in India, don't they, which is very impressive. But do you think they might be a bit vulnerable bowling-wise?
0: Yeah, I just feel that, I mean, look, I'm really impressed with Ushtip Singh. To keep an eye on this kid, he is a a really talented left-arm bowler. Swings the ball nicely, bowls very well at the depth. But I just think that they just missed that pace. I know Shami came back the other night, but he is vulnerable as well. Um, you know, Mohammed Shami at times. Umesh Kumar, if the ball's not really swinging, he's he's sort of edible on these sorts of pitches. If they play Harshal Patel, I think those slow balls don't grip and, and um, sort of hold in the surface like they do in the subcontinent. And uh, I just worry about um, that that bowling attack without Boomerah. Uh, it just doesn't seem as potent. So therefore, Mm. I I kind of put them a couple of more rungs down the ladder than I had them at at, with with Boomer Fit, sort of two months ago.
2: One of the form competitions leading to this story was the Asia Cup. Uh, Were you there? Were you commentating that competition?
0: No, I wasn't at the Asia Cup. That was on when I was down in the Caribbean doing the, the CPL. CPL. And um, you know, Sri Lanka were you know, the Sri, yeah. Sri Lanka were brilliant. Um, I was, was going to ask know, you about Sri Lanka. I, I thought, mm. Yeah, I, I thought last year they were a team on the rise, but then coming along and, and getting tipped up by Namibia in that first game, and now that they you talk about Jasprit Boomer, they've lost Bushmaster Chimera, who mm. is a key for their for their bowling attack, and you know, he's the one guy with some genuine wheels in that Sri Lankan lineup, and uh, that is a huge huge blow them, So if they do make it out of the first round, um, which they should do, I just don't know that they're going to get as far in the tournament as I thought they might with Chimera in the side.
3: Now it all kicks off, uh, I suppose the serious stuff anyway, kicks off this Saturday. Australia playing New Zealand at the SCG and Australia dollar fifty favourites there with Ned's New Zealand $2.60. Probably a fair reflection, I suppose, of where these two teams are at. But, Dooley, can you see New Zealand winning this game?
0: I can't. I mean, look, I'd have it 80 20 at best. Mm. Um, You know, from New Zealand's point of view, I think Australia go and they're really warm favourites. We just seem to have a mental block against the Australian side. And, um, you know, I, I think. A lot of people are saying if Williamson can find something. The, the key of the batting for me is Devin Conway. He is absolute class. And, and if he can negate that new ball and, and get through and, and maybe build a bit of an innings, there is a little bit of power around him. But New Zealand are going to have to start incredibly well. Whether it be bat or ball, Conway's going to have to lead the way. If Finn can get them off to a decent start, yes. Or Trent Bolt is either going to have to rip a pole out or nick David Warner off just to get that team sort of, up and about a little bit. If that doesn't happen, I, I can see a, a fairly comfortable Australian win. They've got power, they've got basic, all bases covered, I think, if they play the right team, Australia. And to me, they, they should be very, very heavy favourites.
2: It was interesting, uh, Williamson's position on this side, still there was under some questions, particularly from an expat like me living outside of New Zealand. You'd be of a similar opinion, no doubt. If you live in New Zealand and criticise Kane Williamson, it's akin to... You know, devilish behaviour isn't it, you just can't do it Um, but he did get some runs recently to be fair in one of the last uh, warm up games, he got a 50 or a 60 off about, a strike rate of around about 160 but I I can't escape the feeling that uh, he does do he puts more pressure on the guy at the other end I know exactly what you're saying about Conway, I I think he's absolutely pivotal but we need Williamson to be firing those first six overs as well, he simply can't be rotating the strike, rotating the strike is an old school comment. I mean, that goes back to Hutton and Compton and Peter May, for goodness' sake. <laughs> let alone Rutherford and War.
0: <laughs> yeah, spot on. It's look. It's a um, It's a different game now. And Kane has that that power game, but mm. I, I still worry about the injury. I think I think that elbow is still playing up, and I, I think it still hurts. And outside of that, where do, where does our power come from? I mean, Devin, uh Sorry, um, Phillips. Absolutely yes. can clear the boundary. I have got no issue with that, but. You know, can he do it consistently enough? What sort of a team do New Zealand look at? Do they sacrifice not playing Sodi just so that they can play Michael Bracewell because he's got big boy power? He is one of the few, mm. along with Nishan, that can clear these boundaries over here. But you kind of either don't play Santana or don't play Sodi if you play Bracewell. And to me, you're, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul a little bit. And, and so I think, I don't think New Zealand are quite settled. They've got 12. I don't think they're quite settled on eleven yet either.
2: The tactics just look predictable, Doolie, really, don't they? I think in T Twenty cricket, you need to yeah. have a couple of jokers up your sleeves that you can pull out every now and again just to change things mm. up to keep the opposition guessing. I'd imagine if you're the Australian side preparing for this match, you, you kind of know what to expect from the Black Caps.
0: Yeah, you will um, exactly, and I and I think that's the one thing that um, you know Australia will will certainly be talking about. They they know that if if they can contain Bolt up front. You know, and, and they don't have to take them for runs, but if they can contain them up front, it kind of takes away that, that real great start that New Zealand are looking for. There's not much else in that bowling attack that really frightens them. Yes, Lockie's got genuine pace. Milne's got pace. But um, they've struggled with fitness of late as well. And they pretty much know what their batting attack is, is going to provide. So, yeah, as I say, I, I think Australia just across the board look like they've got more power and I think they've probably got a slightly better bowling. I think Adam Zamper is a, a, a you know, key bowler. He was brilliant in the UAE last year on surfaces that, that weren't turning much, but just his control of line length and, and, and everything has been exceptional in the last sort of uh, probably 18, 18 months, two years.
3: Now, Dooley, before we let you go and tee off, just a couple of quick ones. A batsman for the punters to look out for this tournament and, uh, and a bowler, which, which may well be Adam Zamper as you've just mentioned.
0: Well, I'll give you yeah I'll give you three options. I, you know, a lot of people are looking at the seam bowlers, thinking you know, nice hard bouncy wickets in Australia, it's gonna they're gonna dominate. I'm going to give you three spin bowlers. And you can take your pick, and I'll go to Bray Shamsi, mm. um, Adil Rashid, and Adam Zampa. Now, whichever one your punters like, take your pick. Just 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 back in, because I think the spin bowlers are going to have a big part to play on some of these bigger grounds in Australia. They will bowl those key overs through the middle, and I think they'll pick up wickets. And I'll be very surprised. If the seamers absolutely dominate the leading wicket takers, I think there will be a couple of spinners involved. So find one you like. And, and the other, the other thing there is you've got to find one that's probably going to go through to the semi-finals and the final. And I think South Africa, England, Australia are three teams that could go through to those semis and possibly the final. So you're picking three spinners there that, that have got a chance to play an extra game or two than, than others. So that would be where I'd go on that front. Um, and I look, I, I hate to say it, but I feel like. They're like David Warner or, or, or someone along those lines or, or maybe even Quinton de Kock. A couple of left-handers right at the top. You, you've got to look at a guy who opens or bats three uh, and, again, someone who's going to make it through to that semifinal final. So Butler, Warner, de Kock.
2: Well, I can tell you, you, you must be reading my mail. I've gone Riley Rousseau the year ago. Riley Rousseau <laughs> is, is, is just the South African uh, best batsman, uh, scored the most runs just for South Africa. It's $5.60. Go that every day of the week. I see you open the batting the yeah, other day and yeah. then got 50-odd off 30-odd balls, so I'm all over Mr Rousseau's horse. No,
0: no issue with that. No issue with
2: that at all, Rudds. Absolutely. Yeah, clever, Rudds.
3: <laughs> Very clever Roger. You should name a horse That I reckon um, Just finally Dooley uh is telling me You've got a, a Nice little cult With uh, Bjorn Baker At the moment uh, What can you tell us About him
0: Yeah we've got We've got a nice Deep field um, They're not cheap Those deep fields I can tell you that much. Um, deep field out of, out of A mare called Della Luna So um, we, we've got that. I haven't actually Been to see the, the Thing live yet We've got nice Videos and He's sort of just um, Lewis has uh, done a Great job breaking Him in and um, looking after him, and, and he's been at the um, been at Warwick Farm for a little while. I think he'll have a little run around in the next week or so, and then probably go out for another scroll Just let him grow a bit more. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing him at some stage of the next probably four or five months trotting out on the track and, and see what he's got to offer. So, it's exciting, and I can find a I might find a winner for the for the punters as well if you want to wait if you want to wait till Melbourne Cup Day.
3: Yep.
0: and load up on Magawa at Pukekohe. Magawa. He was a he was a Colombian mine finding rat. Magawa was. So if, if you don't if you don't remember the name, just remember a Colombian mine finding rat, and you'll, you'll remember you'll remember. It'll jog your memory.
2: That is brilliant. Who, who trains therefore is that uh, O'Sullivan?
0: Uh, no, no, actually, uh, Grant Cooksley's got that. Bruce okay. Wallace Grant Cooksley got uh, got Magawa for us. So uh, it's one eye bred. Uh, with, with mates of mine And um, Yeah we're, we're sort of um, We're looking forward to seeing him Coming back and, and having another run
2: around So Yeah have, have, save, save your pennies He's worth a dollar each way It's in my black book Big guy I
3: appreciate it I'll tell you what <laughs> With with uh, with knowledge and trivia like that You'll be uh, more than welcome back On this podcast <laughs> <laughs> That is mate, That is magnificent Dooley Thank you so much For joining us mate All the best uh, Over the course Of this T20 tournament And uh More immediately, mate. I hope you hit them very well out there today.
0: Cheers, gents. Thanks so much, eh? Nice to be with you.
3: Our next guest on the podcast is a man who played 128 test matches for Australia, several of those against Ken and Simon. A man who scored 38 centuries for his country and 81 first class tons all told, at an average of 52.04. I speak of none other than the Great Mark War. Welcome, mate. G'day, guys. How are you? Very, very well, and uh, quite excited. I think Rudd's particularly excited. For uh.
2: well, those stats, I mean, that was more than the whole New Zealand team put together. I mean, you're just <laughs> showing off, you <laughs> bloody Australians there. <laughs> What's going on? Uh,
1: Rudd's the old starring partner, right? No, I always in, enjoyed playing against Kenny and spent a bit of time with him uh, in Ireland, doing a bit of coaching, and I've yeah. spent plenty of time with the races with, with Kenny as well. So, no, we, we get on pretty well for Aussies and Kiwis.
3: Just quickly, Junior, what was he like uh, to play against?
1: Uh, on the field, um, yes. Tough competitor, Kenny. Uh, I remember he got a very good decision in Sydney one day in a, 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 an ODI game. He, he, he knocked one back to the, the bowler, a genuine half volley, and the, apparently the umpire said he hit him into the ground and was given a out. out. Uh, uh, Kenny was always good to play against. I playing against the Kiwis in, in that uh, era. They had some great players like Martin Crow as well, and it uh, was always always good. To do. We didn't play against each other enough, I don't think. We should have played more, but um, always good fun.
2: I always remember, James, we were playing a test match and I was in Perth at the Wacker, the old Wacker. And I was batting with Martin Crowe, and we got to stumps and we were not out, which was unbelievable for me to be not out. You know, after about an hour or so. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I thought, right, quick into the shower because it was night. Trots across the road at Gloucester Park, which teed off in about yeah. uh, twenty minutes. So I thought, quick in the shower and had my strides already, my Wrangler jeans and my nice my, my nice checkered shirt from Dunedin back in the old days, and I whizzed across the road. Literally, from the moment I, 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 I faced my last ball of that day's play. Said my first beer at the Gloucester Park races it would take me twenty three minutes, and I got there to the bar, and there was Mark Waugh. he beat me to it. <laughs> oh, you bloody bastard! But anyway, mate,
1: yeah. hey, hey, you, you got to be keen. You got to be keen. I used to also go to Albion Park trucks in uh, Brisbane, but Gloucester Park was great. The stroll across the the road um, from the cricket to the to the trots and it was always a good night's entertainment across the park. Yeah, you had to get your priorities right. Cricket, yeah, yep, okay, it came first, but uh, racing not far behind, uh, whether it was trots or, or the gallopers.
2: Yeah, you're probably like me, mate. When you first got the the summer itinerary in about August of every of every year, you, the first thing you used to look <laughs> at was marry up the racing fixtures with the cricket <laughs> cricket fixtures. Well, I was always Alexander yeah, Park, exactly. Auckland for a Friday night. That was always mine. Yeah.
1: Well, I, I remember going there, but I also remember going to Forbury Park and done it, and jeez, it was cold. Oh, <laughs> it was freezing cold Not much for an atmosphere But still It didn't stop me going To Fallbury Park Down in York Your neck of the woods yeah. Dun Eden you, you played a bit down there But uh, geez, it was cold down there Forbury Park
2: Well I think my, my first trip to the race At Fulbury Park When I was about Eight years old mate So I know I know the place very well Unfortunately it's closed down now I wonder why It must be okay. the, the fact that icebergs And polar bears Were seen going down The home straight Seems mate Right, <laughs> we're going
3: to have to Get you out exactly. to Royal Queanbeyan soon mate Say you what it's all about Have you been to Queanbeyan races there Mark?
1: It's it's one track I haven't been to Queen Bian, but I've I've seen it on uh, obviously on Sky Channel. Um, I've been to Canberra a few times, but not to Queen Bian. We haven't I don't think we've ever had a run over there. The War Stables, so I know it's a pretty hard, fast track, especially in summer, like cement. So um, you never know. One day we might get down there for the cup or something. So that's one track I've never been to. So I need to cross that off at some stage.
3: Absolutely, no. That sounds like a plan. Fantastic day out. Boxing Day races at Queen Bian. That's where you want to be. Non-tabber five <laughs> races the whole town well, too. Actually, the
1: prize money's a bit better, but anyway. <laughs> yeah.
3: look, mate. Let's. Um, I, I did this before, but I'll run through the prices again just quickly. These are with Ned's, but Australia three dollars seventy five favourites to win the T twenty World Cup, closely followed by England at four dollars, India at four dollars and fifty cents, South Africa eight dollars, Pakistan ten dollars, New Zealand twelve dollars, Sri Lanka twenty six dollars, and the rest. Follows out from there, Mark. What's your assessment of that market?
1: Well, I think it's probably about right, but you know, I think there's six teams that can legitimately say they could win the tournament on on a given day, and I'm referring to obviously Australia, England, India, South Africa, New Zealand, Pakistan. So I think those six teams, you know, could say that they could win it. Um, but I've got to sort. Of, I've sort of separated it to, to a top four chances. I think Australia, England, India are uh, definitely the top three chances. And I've got South Africa as a bit of a smoky as my fourth pick. So, you know, I'm thinking New Zealand and Pakistan might miss out on the semis. But I think one thing that's going to play a part in this tournament, and we might see it early on, is the weather. There's mm. so much rain around Australia, uh, actually for about the last six months. But I know there's rain forecast this weekend in Sydney and Melbourne. And you might need a bit of luck with the draw and the rain and who you're playing, you know, because these one points, you know, could be handy or they could cost you games against some of the lesser teams. But... Um, I think if I had to pick two teams to make the final, I'm picking Australia up front because I think they've got the best all-round side, home ground advantage. I think they're they're the team I'm seeing as hardest to beat, and I'm probably going to go with India as the other finalist at this stage, just because of their batting. Their batting is so strong. I think their bowling is a pat on the weak side, but. At this stage, we've got Australia and India as the top two chances, but you know there's a host of chances from the other countries that could easily sort of figure in the semi-finals and the final.
2: Do you reckon the Aussies have quite got their batting water right, mate? I mean, they seem to trot a few combinations on their warm-up games the yeah. last couple of weeks. Have they, have they quite got it right? Well, the warm-up games
1: are a waste of time, as mm. far as I'm concerned. They, they were playing players that weren't going to play in the tournament, Cameron Green especially. They were travelling all around Australia. I don't know who... Did the schedule for Australia? But they were in Brisbane one week, Perth the next, then Canberra the next week. So their their schedule's been a bit tough. Um, but I, yeah, look, I think I think their batting orders is going to be pretty much uh, uh, Warner, Finch, Marsh, Maxwell. Uh, then you've got uh, Stoinis, David, and Wade. That, that's that's going to be the top seven. There's going to be no Steve Smith. I think he'll be the spare batsman. The thing with that lineup is you've got two players out of form. You know, that being Finch and Maxwell, but I think you've got five other players that are really are informed, and I think that's going to be enough to sort of carry them through. There's a lot of good uh, ball strikers, you know, amongst that top seven. Now, Marsh looks like he's playing well. Warner's going to play well, and, and David's the X Factor. He's the one player that wasn't in the squad in the UAE, so he's going to come into the lineup, and he's, you know, he's a guy that can whack it over the fence from the get go. So, yeah, there's a couple of players not quite informed there, but I think the bulk of the batting lineup. He's going to be good enough to carry Australia through to the semis and maybe
3: the final. And their early test, their first test, I suppose, at the SCG, weather permitting on Saturday against the Kiwis. Now, the Aussies are $1.50 favourites there with Neds and New Zealand are $2.60 junior. Do you think that's mm. about right?
1: It, it probably is. Look, I think the thing with the New Zealanders, they don't have a great record against Australia in Australia uh, in white ball cricket, C20 and ODIs. That goes mm. back to your days, Kenny. You lead you, you the charge there, but... Um, yeah, I just think, look, I, I think, <laughs> look, New Zealand could upset Australia, no doubt about it, but I, I just think um, they're probably lacking a real X factor in New Zealand. I, I mm. see them as a good side, a really solid side, um, but I think they're batting uh, maybe lacks the X factor. Though Young Finn Allen's a pretty good player, a damaging mm. player who I haven't seen a lot of, but he, he looks like he's got a bit of something about it. I think Conway's a good player, but... I just I think they lack like a bit of a killer punch. New Zealand they're going to be hard to beat, but I, I see Australia probably getting over the top of them um, in a, what is going to be a very important game on Saturday. Yeah. The loser of that game is going to find it hard to qualify, I think, because you know England are going to be right there in that group. So it is a big game for both sides.
2: Yeah, I think New Zealand's uh, problem at the moment, Junior, is is the conservative nature of perhaps their captain and coach. I mean. We we're talking about mm. with Dooley a few moments ago. The, the Australians, income, if they're going to talk about the Australian, uh, sorry, the New Zealand way of playing on Saturday night, it will take about thirty seconds. They, they know what it's going to mm. be. You, you, there's no the, the term you use there's X factor. There isn't an X factor in the New Zealand side. They're so, they're so reliant on Devon Conway, who mm. I think's a, a fine, fine player at the top of the order. Finn Allen's still mm. a young bloke on the way up. You're right. He's got plenty of talent, but the issue I have with, the, with the, the New Zealand batting in a similar way I guess to, to Finch at the moment is what do they do with Kane Williamson?
1: Yeah well I mean I mean, if wherever he bats he, he just can't chew up balls I mean if Finch plays he'll play yeah, he'll I think you either get in. runs you get runs quickly yeah. or you get out yeah. quickly you know yeah. you, you can't you know chew up balls and not make runs so I think for, for New Zealand to go a long way in this tournament, you're right, that they're, they're generally conservative, but they've got to throw that out the window. You're not going to win this World Cup being conservative.
2: No, that's right. Take
1: a risk or two, and I've got the power hitters are going to be the teams to beat in this World Cup. So unless New Zealand turn that around, I think they'll be competitive, but I don't think they'll they'll have that X factor to, to go all the way.
3: Now casting a little bit of a wider net, Junior, are there any uh, particular batsmen or bowlers that you think punters should maybe keep a lookout for over the duration of this World Cup?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the top run scores always come from the first three, don't oh. they, in the order? Normally the openers are all the first three. Um, as far as a player to watch, um, Surakumar Yadda from India. Now, this yeah. guy's just come on the scene. He's, I mean, he's 30-odd, but his form in you know, IPL cricket um, and T20 cricket is outstanding. He strikes at about 180. So yeah. we haven't seen a lot of him in Australia, but I think he's definitely one to keep an eye in the middle order for India. He mightn't be the leading run scorer in the tournament, but uh, he's going to be a, a great player to watch. I think um, from an Australian point of view, I think Mitch Marsh is the player that I, I see that's in really good form uh, in the want games. I think he's going to have a big tournament. Um, he could even be the leading run scorer for Australia. Not sure about the tournament overall, but I, I did have a look. He, he looked pretty good odds to be the run scorer, leading run scorer for Australia. I think Warner's favourite there, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mitch Marsh is the, the leading run scorer for Australia. I mean, then you've got the likes of Butler and Baba Azam mm. who are always going to score a lot of runs. Those guys are going to be right up there probably depending on whether their teams get to the, the semis and the finals. So, you know, Butler's probably, you know, he's probably a decent bet because I think England will go a long way in this tournament uh, with the bat. With the ball, you know, there's lots of good fast bowlers in a lot of these teams. But I think Adam Zampa, you know, I think he's the one bowler for the Australian team that's been so consistent. And he picks up wickets too because Australia do have a very strong pace attack. Sometimes mm. opposition batsmen think, They need to get after the spinner and Zampa, and uh, he's too good a bowler just to to play loosely against. So I think Zampa, you know, he could be one guy that um, you know takes a few wickets um, and be a match winner for Australia. With other players, I mean, Sam Curran, he's bowled really well in the warm-up games for England. He's a he's a guy that bowls you know at the death and through the middle, so he might take uh, a lot of wickets as well. So. Um, you know, there's there's plenty of talent, uh, lots of good fast bowlers uh, in the tournament. Rashid Khan, obviously great spinner for Afghanistan, he's one to watch. But um, you know, I think Adam Zampa for Australia could be, you know, a crucial um, bowler throughout the tournament.
2: Suya Kumar Yadav, James, is at five dollars and twenty cents to be the top run scorer for India, just for India? Not bad value, that. Five twenty.
3: Yeah, you roll that into uh, Riley Rosso. Riley Rousseau. I've already tipped
2: out Rousseau from South Africa Junior as the top South yep. African run score. He's at well, well, 560.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, the thing with Yadav, though, the problem is India have got so many other good players as mm. well. I mean, yeah. Rohit Sharma and Kale Rahul at the top, Coley at uh, three. Yeah. So Where does he bat? If Yadav. Yeah, but he he could do it. But Mitch Marsh, I'm I'm pretty keen on him. What price is he to, to be the leading run scorer for Australia? Would you have that handy there? Well, that, I think he's
2: around the four fifty mark. I'm pretty sure he's around there. I think David Warner's around two seventy five, three dollars. So he'd be on the second yeah. line of betting. You're right. He's a big chance. Yeah, well, isn't he? I- he's, he's hitting the ball. The other night, he he looked in pretty good touch. He just, but a lack I thing, he yeah. played, played it on, didn't he? Chopped it on.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think he is in really good touch. So yeah, David Warner will be he'll be hard to beat. But I think Marsh at the value might be. Um, he might be good value there for the Australian League run
2: script for the tournament, yeah. I mean, this English side, just just to probably finish, um, the, yeah. the Eng- England side seem to have so many uh, quality players. They're they, batting all alone, they could probably bet four or five of their guys in, in the top two or three. They've got a, an, a, yeah. a an, an overladen bunch of resources there, haven't they?
1: Yeah, their, their batting looks really strong. Um, mm. Obviously, Butler-Hales has come back in. He's a good player. Phil Saltwin is a good player. Yeah. Darwin, Milan, it's a bit like Conway. They're similar sort of style players, a bit underrated. He's a good player, Milan. Then you've got Ben Stokes. Who's, he looks short on form, but he's a big match player, Ben Stokes. So he can mm. do anything. Uh, even Moan Ali at number 60, he's a dangerous player. So I, I think England do have a really good all-round side. I just worry they do rely on Butler a little bit too much, maybe with the bat. Mm. And I think if he happens to fall cheaply, I just don't know how the other players can handle the pressure. So, a lot of, um, a lot of reliance on Butler, but having said that, they do have some depth in the batting. I'm a bit worried about their bowling, though. Mm. Uh, England, I think it might be a little on the thin side. A lot will depend on Mark Wood, how, you know, what impact he has when he comes on, because a medium paced look about their bowling attack. So, to me, England's maybe their, their weaknesses. Their bowling attack. Like you look at most teams, they're either stronger at batting or bowling. That's why I like Australia because I think they do have the best all-round team. You know, they've got strong batting, good pace attack, good spin in Zampa. So, you know, that's why I think they're going to be the hardest beat. Whereas, seems like Pakistan, you know, they're going to rely on a couple of players. Yeah, um,
2: yeah Rizwan. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, Yep,
1: yeah, and even even India, I'm tipping them to go a long way, but their bowling looks a lot weaker than their batting. So. Yeah, it's going to be a tournament, um, yeah, anything can happen, we know that, because T20 cricket, it's, it's, it's like a sprint race, you know, the, the, everyone's jammed up, but there's not much distance between first and last, whereas a staying race, a test match, you know, finds the week out a lot easier uh, in a longer form of the game, so, you know, anything's possible, but um, for mine, I think Australia and India are, are probably the teams I'm looking at to get to the final.
2: Well, we must finish now, uh, Mark. The, the, the war racing stable, how's it going at the moment? And have you got anything for the punters to follow over the next week or so? Um,
1: we're sort of having a bit of a quiet time at the moment, just through the weather, and it's just been, it hasn't stopped raining for six months. Uh, horses to follow. Um, next week, we've got a, a couple in at the Beaumont track uh, on Monday. A um, horse called Misty Dreams, first up for our stable. I think um, should be should be really hard to beat. And we're going to have Bubba going around uh, in the Four Pillars Saturday week at uh, Rose if the rain keeps up, I think Bubba's going to be a great chance of, of running a good race uh, in the Four Pillars Saturday week. So uh, fairly quiet at the moment, but uh, we did have a, a, quite a few Troll last week at um, Troll Well, Bethancourt, French yep. French Bonnet, you know, the two greys. They'll be back in action shortly. Unfortunately, great news, has just retired, probably our best horse in the stable. She had a tendon injury, so she's just retired, but... Um, yeah, we're hopeful that um, you know we'll keep you know getting our fair share of winners. You know, Kim's had a, a really good three or four years, very consistent. So mm. yeah, we'll keep chipping away, but nothing really stands
2: out of the pack at the moment. And uh, Cox Plate, who wins?
1: Well, look, I'm an animo fan. I, I always back animo. I, I think it's hard to bet against animo, but at the same time, I think. It's skinny in the market, you know. I think there's not a lot between a lot of these horses, Z- Zaki and I'm Thunderstruck and Animo. Mm. There's never much between them, and then there's the X factor, the overseas horses. I heard there was good good talk about Chris Wallace's horse. Uh,
2: I'm Degan. Is that how you say? Elba Degan or something? Yeah, Elba. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like
1: that. <laughs> 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 Something in between what we just said anyway. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know which horse we're talking about. How,
2: uh, how many scooters have you I've, had? I've only, I've only had a couple of coffees. That's not <laughs> <what> fair. <I've had. laughs>
1: well, I haven't got the name in front of me, so I'm just guessing. <laughs> um, but, um yeah, you know, I think Animo. I'm going for the Godolphin double. Uh, the Manicato speaks palately into probably Animo. So the, the, the blue are flying at the moment. Godolphin got so many good horses yeah. and they're in form, so they're always hard to beat. So I'm with Animo, um, but, you know. There's no no spoil in the price. He's short enough against a a pretty good field.
3: Junior, thank you very much for joining us here, mate, on the Racing and Sports Punter's Pod. Very much appreciated.
1: All right, good to talk to you, lads.
3: Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Just to summarise, uh, there's a little bit there to get through, but uh, I think most interestingly, some batsmen and bowlers to follow across the tournament. In the bowling category first, now Dooley was keen on Tabraje Shamsi, Adul Rashid, Adam Zampa as three who... May actually extract something in these overcast conditions. And Rudds is very keen on Riley Rosso as the leading run scorer for South Africa, playing about $5.60, I think. Duly liked David Warner and Quentin DeCock, keeping it fairly simple there as batsmen to follow over the course of the T20 World Cup tournament. And Mark War, well, he was pretty keen on Adam Zampa too to have a pretty big tournament with the ball. Sam Curran for England and Rashid Khan also two to watch out for there. And uh, as far as the batting goes, Surya Kumar Yadav for India. I think he's paying about $5 to be leading run scorer there, expecting a big tournament from him. And Mitch Marsh uh, expecting a big tournament with the bat from him for Australia. And just a couple of uh, cheeky nags maybe to follow. Melbourne Cup Day, Magawa at Pukakoe. Save your pennies for that. Dool is pretty keen. Pukakoe, James. Pukakoi, not Pukakoi. Pukakoi, Pukakoi. Okay, we'll Close go with, we'll go with Pukakoi and uh, just a couple from the War Stable uh, Newcastle next Monday. Misty Dreams first up for Kim War, and then Bubba in the Four Pillars next weekend. If this rain hangs around, looks a pretty good chance. Ruds, we better wrap it all up there, mate. Uh, well done,
2: Mitchell Marsh. Five dollars he's paying top Australian run scorer. Two seventy five about Warner. Five dollars Marsh Finch at sixes. And uh, Maxwell and Stephen Smith, who may not get much of a game, he's they're at seven dollars so very much good value around uh, Mitchell marsh at five dollars I, I think Australia unders to be honest I, I know Junior's pretty pretty keen on them at three dollars and75 cents I, I thought it was more value around England at four dollars. And South Africa at $8, so I do agree with what they're both saying around the chances of the South Africans. I, I think they've got some batsmen there who can hit the ball a long way. And their bowling attack with lots of Radaba and Ngedi, along with the two spinners, Shamsi and Maharaj, the left-arm spinner. I think they've got a, a good bowling attack, which is varied and uh, can be very flexible around whatever their conditions are. So, But looking forward to it, mate. This week's been great in terms of some of the other games that have been going on. There's some important matches tonight with Holland and Sri Lanka playing and also Namibia playing the UAE uh, to see who will get into the main part of the competition. Uh, it's been great, and for a cricket lovers, the next four weeks is going to be absolute gold.
3: Absolutely, mate, and uh, just a little Cox Plate to look forward to on Saturday as well.
2: Don't mind Mr Brightside Lods, actually. Uh, I think they might go mad up front and uh, might just set up for someone to come down to the outside and... Uh I, just, I keep going back to that Doncaster run back in April where he sat three Y without cover, the duration of the 1,600 metres, and and kept finding at the line. He was going further and further ahead of uh, I'm, thund- oh, I'm Thunderstruck in the last 15 metres. So I wouldn't give up if you're a Mr. Brightside fan. By ball bars, can you believe? By ball bars. <laughs> high, of you, high of you stud Brent Gillivick. Uh, can you believe the ball bars might win a cox plate? Might.
3: Thank you again. As always, Rudds, we'll be back next week to talk the round ball game. And until then... Happy punting.